hi, we brought Avast here to talk about Boston Uprising, and the rest of us <laughs> are just going to listen to him. Avast, oh, my, over to you. The Boston Uprising expert here, after not being on the team for four years <laughs> since 2018. Like, that's... I just have that institutional knowledge. If I'm a contractor for Boston Uprising, I need to be charging contractor rates for this podcast. I'd be like, anytime Boston Uprising episode, I'm, tri- I'm charging triple the amount to be here for the day. God, that's well, a good picture Boston. of you. That's a good picture yeah. of you. I mean, that's an okay picture. That was from, we did those at Gauntlet in 2019. Or not Gauntlet. No, Atlantic Showdown in There's something incredibly oh, asymmetrical did, yeah. about your beard. Just yeah, well, my beard is asymmetrical. My beard is asymmetrical, which is why I just go clean shaven now. That was when I was going through the great beard experiment, and I realized my facial hair sucks ass, and I won't do it until it like I, I just I'll just clean shave. So, <laughs> yeah, that was a great experiment for me. Mm. Uh, well, we could talk about Boston. We can <laughs> we can talk about that? We can do that for this Boston uprising episode. Where do you want to begin, Josh? Should we start well, with the? I think the, where. If we're, if we're going to talk about you returning back to Boston Uprising yes. and commenting on them, then let's talk about the player returning to Boston Uprising as well. You know, let's, let's start with the DPS line. You've got Stryker coming back to Boston Uprising. I never thought I'd see it happen, but Stryker and Huck reunited on this team. And oh me, oh my, what do we have here? Uh, there's been a lot of talk about Stryker, like, having... What he got, I can't exactly remember the timeline of it, but he got benched or something towards the end of the season, and people were, or he said he left. I can't remember what it was. Are you talking about for shock or for Boston? For shock, for shock. Walk me through the well, shock. Didn't he, didn't he, he, like, he, he like mid season retired? Retired, yeah, yeah, right, yeah, he, yeah, yeah, he retired. But I thought there was some rumblings that it was like not a forced retirement, but a disagreement within the team kind of scenario. Well. Was it about no, Violet playing Cassidy? Because I could have gotten behind that. They, I, I, I don't think, uh, you know, this is one of those things where... You're not a liberty party, to say? All the parties are still active, so I don't know if we're allowed to go into the juice too much oh. in that respect. Okay. You know, he retired mid-season, and he's back. And, you know, have you ever seen two, have you ever seen two, two like, male deers, like, lock horns <laughs> grapple? Deers? Whatever the, whatever the fuck they are. Stags. What are they called? Bucks? Stags? Bucks, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, that's essentially what I imagine is Stryker coming back to Boston for this year <laughs> with Huck. That's what I imagine here is like, this is, Stryker says, ready for round two. And now, <laughs> now here we go. I'm coming back. Uh, so I, I was surprised, but I wasn't that surprised because I feel like it was still a tough market. Um, and like honestly it was kind of a tough market uh, like there's not that many spots in the league with the reduction in players and there's more and more talent coming in especially on the dps sides and striker just taking a bow out so like i think um i wasn't super super surprised but i was pretty surprised when i saw this mm. it's an odd collection of talent that this team has it really feels like um it kind of feels like huck is buying the not buying the dip, because dip is the wrong word to use when you're coming into Overwatch 2, but investing more so this year than he has done in the past. Now, I'm speculating that based off the name value of the people on the team, but he's kind of picking up people that they're almost like just past their prime, but that you know their value's starting to dip, but he's getting them while they're still pretty good. People like Marvel, for example, or MCD, or Striker. These are people that a couple of years ago, we were like, oh, damn, these guys are either insane with Striker or solid picks like MCD and Marvel. Um, 
but you think this is the Los Angeles Lakers of twenty of twenty twenty two? I don't know. I'm interested in what in hearing your thoughts. Like this strikes me as an interesting team. I look I look at this squad right here, this roster in front of me right now, <laughs> and if you just like put your finger on your monitor over 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 striker, okay, it looks like the Toronto Defiant. <laughs> a scream Toronto <laughs> Defiant to me. Yeah. Um, I. I, I don't I don't know what my thoughts are on this team. They could upset, they could underperform, they could do like whatever the heck. I mean, they got some decent players on here. Uh striker obviously standing out the most. Mid mid table, if slightly lower than that, like I don't have any expectations for this team. I and mean, I also don't think that they're going to be bad by any means either, because they do have some legitimate talent. Like I think Faith is like an underrated main support in the league. Um Punk splitting playtime with Marvel. Like that's a that's I th- I think that's probably better than stand one last year, honestly. And the DPS line, of course, Striker stands out as a superstar for this lineup. Valentine, he wasn't really showcased and utilized the way you'd probably want to see him last year. He had to do some weird flexibility stuff going on. Um, you know, he had to play tracer times, really just didn't show his best game at all. I, I don't know what to think about this team. It's Really, I, I hope the Boston fans like it. I think that's the most important <laughs> thing, I guess. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I, it feels like such a Scrabble bag of players. I don't know. <laughs> Scrabble bag, I love that analogy. Yeah, it's... Does anybody know else feel like that? Like, it just feels a little bit all over the place. They've got a lot of good talent, but there's no, like, clear focus, I suppose. They've, they've got a lot Primzo of... is good. Faith, like yeah. you're saying, Johnny, I quite like Faith. I liked MTD for a while. Marvel, also good. Striker, superstar player. But it's like, eh, it's just... It's just uh, nothing excites me. This does not bring me joy. Well, like, let's let me stop. ask you this side, Joe. Let me yeah, ask you this on. side, Joe. Okay? If you remove Crimso and Punk from the equation, so now you have an all-Korean team, and you have okay. Askov, who's the all-Korean... Uh, head coach as well you know you got a you got a pretty decent lineup so you got marvel um uh or laurie sorry i'm confusing Askov and laurie uh, you have laurie as your head coach um who you know coach some of these players in the contenders region as well so you if you just count the korean players uh you have marvel as your tank you have a yeah. back line of faith and mcd and you have a DPS line of Valentine and Striker. I think that's a pretty formidable team. Like, that's a pretty it's, good team. And then you add Crimso and Punk to that yeah, equation it's a, already. It's a good team, but I think formidable might be going a little too far. I think my weakness, you know, the weak points there would potentially be MCD on flex support. And then Valentine or Victoria have just not showcased anything that good. I mean, Valentine was impressive in contenders, but actually the Owl season, even Very when mess. Valentine was playing the heroes that he was supposed to be really good at when he was playing like Doom or Genji or Echo, you know, those kind of picks. Very meh. So you're kind of hoping you get the potential out of those players at absolute max. And MCD, he's been, what, his his Zen looked pretty good last season, but not, not a powerhouse flex support i think when you compare him to the rest of the league so it it looks like a decent team but i would agree with your statement that it just kind of looks middle of the pack okay so last year they ended ninth in the north american region okay seventh toronto defiant eighth paris eternal ninth boston uprising and tennis like florida mayhem is a big drop off there i could see this team getting eighth i could see this team getting seventh I'm not sure if I'm quite ready to commit them competing with the likes of Washington, Houston, and Shock. 
but I could see them being the better of like the below average teams. I think they could. I think this team could surprise in depending on how the pieces fit together. And also, I mean, something to think about too when you think about their tank line is like stand one has always been the definition of eh, he gets the job done. You know, like I wouldn't necessarily say that he's ever going to set the world on fire. Uh, he's like always there. He's okay. Marv one Marvel is actually a really interesting player because. As a main tank player, I've seen him play almost no main tank comparatively <laughs> to Stan 1. So it's, I don't even know what to think about him in this lineup. Because then you have Punk, who actually did play a pretty, he had a pretty good season alongside Faith and such. Like, I think Punk, Punk and Faith had both pretty good seasons last year, uh, as, as you could on like a team like Boston, um, where it was like very meh. And, Currently, would I want to have Marvel over Punk in the off-tank role? Like, who's been playing and Punk's playing off-tank? I don't know. Would I even want Marvel over Stand 1 when I haven't seen him fucking play main tank? Like, I have no clue, honestly. So I think, I think though, you, you might be underselling Marvel a little bit. He's one of the more interesting talents, I think, for Overwatch 2 tank because he does have experience playing both roles. Both, yeah, but, like, I just don't know what his proficiency is in off-tank outside of Sigma, and we have seen very little... And his diva was atrocious. His diva was not good. His Sigma was pretty good, but this is a different Sigma in a different game, and yeah. also we haven't seen much of his main tank. Like very Yeah, but there player. are so many different people playing tank next year that you can say that about. They just entirely have experience playing main tank, or entirely experience playing off-tank. But there are very few players that we can say almost all their experience playing Sigma. <laughs> and that's Marvel. <laughs> I mean, you can say so, that about Piggy, for example, I suppose. Yeah, and then, but I mean, like, I solo mean, main I, tank of Houston, but sure. Yeah. And I also I, think that's bad. So, so Boston, let, let's let's start. I think with the tank line, then, right? Let's break it down piece by piece. So, Marvel and Punk as a tank line, I think it's somewhat interesting. They have a bit of a backup rotation working there. It's two players that I've seen be talented as long as they find the right roles in which to play them. Um, I don't know where the hell I would rank this tank line out of the tank lines in North America. I'd find tank, frankly, to be an unknowable mystery for next year because you got to play Doomfist. you got to play a reworked Orisa. Yeah. And you got to play Winston that can zap people from long range with a skill shot. So don't ask me what solo tank looks like, but Punk and Marvel seem like decent candidates to maybe get the job done. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think if Marvel it's shows up decent. and show and is like like really proves some of the flashes, like the flashes of nice like play we've seen, this is a pretty decent tank line, all things considered. I think like I don't know where Stand One fits in there. Stand One would probably not fit in that rotation at all, comparatively to those two players. Mm. Um, I just wouldn't rate it like super highly. I would say yeah. like, oh, you're looking at probably a decent mid tier tank line. Then you go to GPS and you're like, eh, I haven't been big on Valentine. Victoria looked he's from Uprising Academy. It looks pretty meh, you know. And then you yeah. have Striker, who's very good in the right metas and certain stuff. Like then you have a really, actually, a really good player. And then you go to your, then you go to your support line. You're like, okay, Crimzo, who I actually think is very solid. And then MCD and Faith, who are also very solid, except one of them, except also we've also, it's just like, it. That's a whole other controversy with MCD, right? But like, I they have like overall cool. good pieces. It's just 
does this fit together? Does it work? Is it going to do better than mid-tier? I don't really see it doing better than mid-tier currently. One of the good things that they have, though, is they have balance across all of their roles, right? They have two tank players, so there's somebody to pick up the slack if one person doesn't, you know, get Doom or get Uzari or whatever, right? And then on their DPS line, they have a hardcore hitscan player who also plays Tracer. I mean, actually, Striker and Victoria both kind of play the hitscan flex into Tracer, but Striker's going to be your Tracer on this team, uh, like 100% of the time, you would imagine. And then they have Valentine to play more the, the the flex DPS thing. So they have that trio rotation that we've seen a lot of the teams go into where you have your flex DPS, your hitscan, and your Tracer kind of trio. Then for the supports, they have double flex support and domain support. So they're actually fairly well-rounded in terms of uh, being prepared for any weird shit in the meta or like you have to run certain things when we were discussing the shock uh in our earlier episode we were talking about some of the holes that they have because they have super and violet great players but might be asked to do a bit too much this year this is a pretty big roster where the load is being shared between different people so it should be easier for each individual to find their niche they actually look fairly well prepared in that aspect no yeah, I definitely agree. Like going into five v five, this is one thing I thought about a lot. It's like how the how the how spread the teams are going to be. I always thought two tanks was a must because you need someone to. They, obviously, there's a ton of reworks and the Doomfist thing, but you need someone to cover the off tanks and the main tanks. And in my head, I'm like, okay, so you just pick up an off tank and a main tank, and then just kind of go from there. And then you just have to learn the reworks and learn whatever. Uh, the DPS, I think you always need more DPS. Blizzard are definitely going to add more DPS. Like, being the most popular role, you have to cover those bases. And support having three players, fine. I thought you could just stick with two, honestly. Um, uh, well, maybe you need Lucio player, you know, shock. But at the end of the day, having a bigger roster going into a brand new game, it's going to be way more beneficial than you pigeonholing yourself into only fielding five slash six players. Like, yeah, that's the that's the biggest strength of the boss not rising. Does it hit home? No, a home run probably not uh, it's they're definitely going to be a, a mid-table team unless they pull out something crazy maybe punk is like a sicko doomfist and doomfist is meta or something <laughs> you know but um yeah what right would have now, to happen what would have to yeah. happen for this team to punch above where we're putting them like who, who are the big players i'm a tracer i, I think if there was a, a heavy tracer meta which is something again i think will be pretty prevalent especially at the start of the game uh, because yeah. of the lack of peel for backlines, which means strike is just going to be enabled even more. And it, and it looks like a more DPS centric kind of game. I don't know. It just on the surface of things, just removing that one tank, it's like, wow, DPS have a lot more power now to do what the fuck they want to do. So having at least a majority of the season be focused on Tracer, or maybe you can incorporate Tracer um, as much as you can. I think that's going to be the point where the boss not rising will shoot up the ranks a little bit because they have striker. If, if you want Boston Uprising, if, if you're asking about their peak, I do legitimately think that if they hit their stride and they, they do peak, their peak is actually pretty comparable to some of the third to fifth teams. Like if you're talking best case scenario possible for this team. And the reason I'm saying that is because when Marvel, when he showed us some main tank gameplay, which hasn't been a ton, but I believe it did so in like 2019 after like Fisher retired or whatever that yeah, fiasco yeah, was, yeah. but like that. Like, I think Marvel has actually held up and he did showcase some good main tank gameplay. So, if he comes in and they play ball, as Joe said, Striker comes out and plays the Tracer, like we've seen him do so many times when he's been like one of the best Tracers in the world. Um, and then you have Valentine who uh plays like he did on Contenders and has that amount of impacts that, that he had. Um, Victoria, I wouldn't really 
expect to have some huge pop of performances considering the competition that is in the Overwatch League. But he could still contribute, you know, maybe hit some shots and free up some room for Striker. And as for your backline, as we mentioned, Faith, solid main support. I like what I've seen from him. I think he's quite underrated. And Crimso, at his best, is a really mechanically skilled Ana player. And I think even at the worst time for Dallas Fuel in 2020, we could see sometimes that Crimso can have a really big impact on the Ana, for example, hitting sleep darts, hitting crucial bionades. And so from a best case scenario standpoint, this is a team that could punch above its weight. I just don't want to take that for granted, considering they have so many different players here and they have mm -hmm. so many things to figure out. I think it's a bit of a mess, but if they figure it out and they get the best from their players, they can definitely punch above their weight. One of the players that I'm really looking at to have that like best case scenario is Valentine though, because I heard a lot of hype and the performance, like the what I was led to expect from rumblings within the Boston Uprising, for example, when they were hyping him up and talking about how good he was and the, the stuff from contenders too, indicated that he could be a player that could take over the game occasionally. And I would say we saw zero of that. Maybe there were a couple of flashes that I'd forgotten about last year. But from what I remember, we saw zero of that in 2021. So if, there, if that was due to a team structure environment or that the, the coordination was off or just that 5v5 allows Valentine more opportunities to do that, if we can get that level of performance from Valentine, like we were um, promised that he had that level of potential, then maybe this team can punch even higher. Um, here's something, though, that I'm interested in that we didn't really discuss much in our different team previews. The, the concept of p people playing Sombra. Sombra seems busted with the rework. At least it did in that initial playtest. And then in Gumba's workshop mode, Sombra literally can't hack from stealth. It's just not a thing that you can program into the game. And so I assume that that has led to nobody really scrimming Sombra. I don't know that for a fact, but in the games that I've watched, like I think there was like a um, a Boston, was it Boston actually? It was some, some of the teams, like one of the scrims got leaked and then there's like Shock playing against O2. We haven't really seen Sombra being played in these scrims. So extrapolating from that, if you were running Sombra Tracer on this team, who the hell even plays the Sombra? Like, do you give that to like, Victoria? Victoria didn't play Sombra on his team before. That was Stella's job. So, I mean, do you give it to Striker because it's the most DPS-focused, like, thing to do, Valentine? I don't know. The, the, if Sombra becomes a really powerful element and teams haven't been playing as much of it because it didn't work as well on Gumba's workshop mode, that feels like a big fucking curveball to throw in there into the beginning of the season that could uh, really make or break teams. And I don't know who would pick that up here if they were running, like... Because so, Sombra Tracer does seem to be a very viable meta comp that you could run. I guess it would have to be Striker Victoria, but that just seems so limp to me, honestly, because I was not impressed watching Victoria particularly. He just looked like a, a like good to great contender's talent, but not, not an elite contender's talent and probably a bottom owl kind of player. Like occasionally good, but probably bottom owl. Yeah, he's uh, he definitely did not impress. I don't I don't think he's like a hit scan talent. Like I would rather put Striker on hit scan over him in the Overwatch League, realistically. But like the problem with Striker is that he's also your tracer player. Sure. Um, so like that that's the issue is they do have a bit of a hero pool issue with this team, I think. Um, but overall, like they're they're well rounded at least. I will say for the most part they're well rounded. 
uh, in terms of like they can cover the majority of their bases. I just don't think the the biggest issue is like what do we do with the tracer Victor with like striker Victoria hit scan option if Victoria doesn't perform at the Overwatch League level, you know, mm-hmm. like then you're forced to put striker in that hit scan position. I think. Yeah. But then he's also a tracer. So yeah, a bit rough on them. Okay, who would we? What What's the expectations for this team? We were to, we were talking like seventh through ninth. We talked in the past. I think when we were doing the London and Paris videos. Oh, which, by the way, Paris is going to be playing from North America, and I assume London is as well, so that's a pretty big deal. But for these teams, getting to that mid-season tournament w- was the kind of bar that we set for them, which means you are top eight, right, in North America to get into the mid-season tournament. Is that correct? I think it is. I have to double-check all of these format things. Phil, Phil. Yeah, Jonathan's uh, looking at it for me. <laughs> but... If they were to make top eight from this pack, which I don't think again includes NYXL, so there's actually what eight. thirteen teams top eight. here, right? Top eight, yeah. So there's thirteen teams in the West. Add New York into this in your brains, right? All of these teams here plus New York. Can the Boston Uprising make top eight? Are they expected to make top eight? What What do you think when you're looking at this? I mean, the competition is kind of like the London Paris. Vancouver. Defiant, uh, maybe. Yeah, Mayhem. Yeah, Toronto. Yeah, I think they'll make top eight. I think they could make top eight for sure, looking at this. Like, I don't have very much faith in... I don't have, like, a ton of faith in, like, the Spitfire or the Titans right off the bat, you know? And then you have a bunch of teams that are like, who the fuck knows? So, What do you like, think about Florida Mayhem of us? I I think that they should also be aiming for a nice middle place finish, perhaps. <laughs> like I I think that ideally that's what they should be aiming for as well as a nice middle place finish. Um, but I like they're still like that's their counterparts that I think they're going to be competing with, right? Is like sort of the mayhem's of the world. All right. Um, so then let me ask you so. this question: If they're competing for the same kind of goals as Paris and London, uh, I'm going to specifically use those teams because we've already done the team previews for them, so we don't have to dig deep into the teams. Do you have more faith in Boston making it or Paris or London? And bear in mind that there's no ping issue for London and Paris. At least we're assuming that for London. We know that for Paris. I have more faith in Paris. And then I have more faith in Paris than I do Boston and more faith in Boston than I do London. So it goes Paris, Boston, London in your head. But I, but in terms of like my faith in them. But if you're talking about pure roster talent, then like I think their Boston is probably like around averagely tied to Paris, I'd okay, say. Okay, so whoa, whoa, why does that differentiate in your head? Why do you have more faith in Paris uh, even though the talent because, isn't better? Just because, like, I, just because it's like you, there's structures, comms issues, like hero pool issues. Like there's a lot of other factors of like where you come, where it comes into fact. But actually now I think about Paris also has a head coach that doesn't speak English. And that's like their primary language that they're communicating in. Well, well yeah, we don't know that. Neither I does mean, Boston. But I think, no, I, 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 I believe it was like, I was talking to Gravy and he was talking about how GMAC wasn't able, but like also maybe he's been proving his English since then, oh, right? right? Okay. So like, Fair it's enough. not even a guaranteed set of its own fact, right? Like he could be getting more like better okay. than that. So I don't, I, to me, I just view both those teams. I view Boston and Paris definitely higher than London. Is That's just, that's my bet, my definitely set in stone. Okay. I go Boston above those two. Significantly? Not significantly, but I, I think... Not significantly, but I think Boston, especially with Stryker being a big difference maker for that team, is going to lead them to be better than Paris and London. And then I think some of the other parts are kind of kind of comparable, I think. I don't know. I, I think Boston Uprising has some good 
I think they have some good skill on this roster, honestly. It's just that like when you look at the top teams, like the, they have so much talent now in the league these days that you have to be extraordinary. Otherwise, you can't really compete with the top teams. But comparing to the bottom teams, I think that Boston Uprising has done a relatively good job at finding talent on every role. It's just that the league is so much harder. Right. So, I mean, Jonathan, what you're essentially saying there as well is they're favored to make the midseason tournament. Like, they'd actually be one of the teams that you would expect yeah, to make so. it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. George, where, where's your head at with this team? Similar? I think they're pretty neck and neck, Uprising and Paris, uh, Boston and Paris. Uh, I think they both be out of London. I think Paris, I'd give them a slight edge just how well-rounded the team is. It can cover a lot of roles. Lucio players. There he goes Thanks again. His, 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 oh, his mic's yeah, Your noise gate is eating oh, your words. Stuck. Yeah, it is. My bad. Give me a second. I'll talk louder for the time, though. Um, yeah, I think Boston and Paris are pretty neck and neck. I do think Paris does win out in terms of all-rounded. Like, they can cover a lot more bases than Boston can. I Just, like, going on, like, they've got Lucio players. Their tank line, I think, is pretty decent on Paris. Uh, they have Glister and Naga as well, which can cover a lot of the DPS. Cool. Paris... Paris, Boston on a good day, like a good day, striker playing Tracer and just clapping your back line 24-7. Yeah, but Boston definitely. But if we do see striker fall by the wayside or Tracer's not as popular as some other th uh, as some other picks, I think Paris do win out for sure. Paris, right. Boston, and Okay, interesting. Well then, Boston Uprising fans, I think you can be pleasantly surprised with that. I really don't know where the Boston fan base's expectations are anymore because... They've they've been on a bit of a roller coaster journey. <laughs> this this team's uh, this team's interesting. All right. Well, next week we will have different team previews coming at you. Unless there's more Overwatch Two news that drops, in which case we'll do that instead. But we're anticipating releasing team previews and continuing. Uh, let us know which teams you'd like us to cover in the comment section below, as well as whether you think we're we're off the base with Boston Uprising and our expectations of them. We'll catch you in our next team preview. We'll see you then. Bye bye.